Good afternoon and welcome. It's Midday at the Movies. I'm Tom Holland. I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, Tom, I mean, golly gosh darn, this whole Oscar thing, it's got me crazy. It's got me going nuts. I haven't had a wink of sleep in three weeks. I thought of nothing else. Everywhere I go, everything I do, I might even say everywhere, everything, all at once. It's, 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 it's coming all over me. I have no idea who's going to win. I have no idea who should win. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating about it. I'm losing sleep. So what do I do? Well, you've started in the right place. You've tuned into midday. Max Weiss from the Baltimore Magazine is here. Jed Dietz from the Maryland Film Festival is here. And they're going to save you the trouble of watching the Oscar telecast because they're going to basically tell you Everybody who's going to win, you you know. So if it's your bowling night on Sunday, a week from Sunday, <laughs> you're good because you're not gonna you're not gonna need to watch because we have all of the answers. Max, it's good to see you. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You and know, if they don't tune in, they might miss somebody getting punched. That's, well, that's all true. I'm saying. You <laughs> that's know, true. That's true. you got to watch live because <laughs> you never know when someone's going to get punched. As last year proved, there <laughs> you know stuff happens exactly. at the Oscars. At the Oscars, and Jed, always good to see you, sir. Great to be here, always. So. Max, for you, what was the biggest surprise in the nominations? You wrote a really funny piece in BMAG about the sounds you made during the nomination <laughs> announcements, you know, every, um, yeah, I, going I mean, from aw shucks to, uh, oh holy, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> holy blank. Yeah, right. <laughs> there were gasps yeah. and uh, all sorts of uh, noises came out of my mouth when the nominations uh, occurred. Um, probably the loudest sound came with um, Andrea Riceborough <laughs> being nominated for actress in a leading role for To Leslie, because I I think most people's reaction to that, unless you're like an actual film critic, is who and what? Uh, right. This was a extremely minor independent film that I believe made a whopping $14,000 at the box office. And it's the kind of film that maybe you discover one night and you think, oh, this film, more people should see it. Mm. It's not the kind of film that is you it? expect to get a lead actress nomination, but there was this very intense organized grassroots campaign to get her nominated, including some celebrities who all tweeted yeah, the Howard same thing. Howard Stern and Charlize. And, and, and they all use the same language. It's a small film with a big heart. And wouldn't you know it, the small film with a big heart earned an Oscar nomination for Andrea Riceborough. Well, I, I can relate to that. I mean, for example, Midday, we're a big show with a small audience. <laughs> so, you know, but Jed, you actually saw this movie, right? Yes, you saw I did. Two Leslie, yeah. and uh, you were you were somewhat unimpressed, as I recall. Yeah, I don't think it's a very good movie at all, and I think it's very. It, it, I mean, the subject of addiction is a complicated and worthy for making movies, I think. But this is just repetitive of of much better movies. I mean, and, and I think she's a terrific actress. I think she's not so terrific in this just because it's a sort of one note. She starts yelling and yells all the way through the movie. And I just think it doesn't serve her very well. I think what Edward Norton said to speak of the celebrities who supported the film was the most accurate, which is she, she throws herself into the deep end of the pool to get this performance, and that's admirable, yeah. and it'll bring her some attention, so it's good. So she is uh, up for actress in a leading role. She's up against Kate Blanchett in Tar, the music movie. We have a clip of Tar. Let's uh, check out Kate Blanchett and Tar. Time 
is the thing. Uh-huh. Time is, is the essential piece of uh, interpretation. You cannot start without me. See, I start the clock. You know, my left hand, it shapes, but my right hand, the second hand, marks time and moves it forward. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means that time stops. Now, the illusion is that, like you, I'm responding to the orchestra in real right. time, making right. the decision about the right moment to restart the thing or reset it or throw time out the window altogether. The reality is that right from the very beginning, I know precisely what time really? it is and the exact moment that you and I will arrive at our destination together. That sounds very conductorish, doesn't it? By the way, <laughs> as a former conductor, I can say people start without you all the time. <laughs> so I, I think the writing there, you know, it, it may be a, a bit of a stretch, but. Um, Max, I mean, Kate Blanchett has got to be, you know, favored in this. Uh, she's definitely the front category. runner. Um, I adored that performance, adored that movie. Just from the minute she steps onto the stage, because the film starts with her being interviewed by the New Yorker, she has it all. She has the charisma. There's a touch of arrogance there. You cannot take your eyes off of her, and you sort of watch throughout the film as she unravels, uh, basically. And she's just a brilliant actress, uh, and, and she certainly is the front runner and I'm going to check her on my ballot. However, Michelle Yao from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, if somebody could upset her, it would be Michelle. And that would be a feel-good story. You know, I think she is a great actress who maybe has been overlooked over the years. Um, so that's the possible upset. She's great in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, a film that I was met on, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But but Kate, I think, is still the one to be. And Jed, let's talk about Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, which I actually saw myself. I saw it on a plane, so I'm sorry I didn't see it. You know, in the, <laughs> the ideal uh, way there, to yeah. <laughs> see but, that, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's gotten 11 nominations. It sort of, sort of, kind of, sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and, you know, it's it seems to have more buzz than any Oscar movies had in uh, recent memory. It's got more than buzz. It's got $72 million in the bank. And that surprised everybody. I mean, you're exactly right. It really did come out of nowhere. The These two directors, Daniel Schweinert and Daniel Kwan, called Daniels together, um, have made a little tiny movie called Swiss Army Man, which I recommend if you're fascinated by them. I think they're I think they're the real thing. Whatever you think about this movie, this is a odd thing to do in a movie. It goes over a different time. It you know jumps you in and out of completely different settings and all that stuff. I would echo Max. Um, Michelle Yao won the SAG Award as Best Actress. That's the biggest voting group in the Academy. So I think Michelle Yao will win Best Actress. Here's a little clip, in case you haven't seen it, from Everything Everywhere All at Once. They don't know you and I are in this universe yet. So hopefully I'll have some time to explain. I'm not your husband, and he's not the one you know. I'm another version of him from another life path, another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. No time to help you. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world and has begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Got to Mrs. Wang! Hello! Look, I'm sure you have a lot on your mind, but I cannot imagine anything mattering more than the 
conversation we are now having concerning your tax liability. I know. I am paying attention. Jamie Lee Curtis playing the tax, uh, the IRS agent. Um, it, it 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 confused me. The the first forty five <laughs> minutes of this movie, I really couldn't tell where we were and you know the things that the characters did to go in between universes. But so you say, Max, you're a little mad on the movie. So what what's your take? I mean. I liked it. It's basically taking what they call a multiverse, which we see a lot in Marvel films and comic book films, and then combining that with this more sort of quotidian story of this woman and her husband and the audit and the and the laundromat they own. And for a while, I was charmed by it. The performances are amazing. But after a while, I felt like the film was kind of high on its own supply. It's like, we get it. You're clever. You're imaginative. But I just found it kind of exhausting. And I ran out of patience for the film. So I liked it because you can't deny it. There's something about that film where you go, all right, these are extremely inventive people. They're passionate about this project. Uh, So I can see where people love it. But I have to say, I'm surprised that it is considered an overwhelming favorite to win Best Picture. Yeah, and and Jed, uh, in the same category, is Elvis, which is another film that I could describe just as Max has described this one. You know, it's just I got tired of it after a while. I mean, full disclosure, I didn't make it through the whole thing. You know, (laughs) I mean, I tried. But it's, it's... but this movie is kind of unlike any other movie I've ever seen. I mean, with people zapping back and forth from multiverses. And I'm not a Marvel aficionado. I don't go to those other movies. So I had no idea that a multiverse existed. You know, um, and evidently it does. It's also... <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, if the IRS says it does, then it does. Are we really here right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, and that was just one clip from one movie that wasn't three movies you just pulled um and i think the there's so many surprises in it that and and i'm not i mean you guys collectively are probably more up to speed on the metaverse than i am but it i thought it really worked i thought it was fascinating all the way through did i follow every minute of every shift nope but I enjoyed the trip. I thought it was really good. And I thought Jamie Lee Curtis, they were all really good. All the actors were good. But I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was, I thought it was an imitator, actually, for quite a while. And then it dawned on me, no, that is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, no, she was great. Yeah. Um, so interesting, Top Gun Maverick, which mm-hmm. was a huge movie. I mean, people have credited, and we've talked about this yet on the show, people have credited it with kind of saving the movie business, you know, for several months in 2022. Tom Cruise didn't get nominated himself. The movie got nominated for Best Picture, but no Tom Cruise. That one seemed to be the one that surprised a lot of people. Yeah, and I was disappointed, except for the fact that I think that was the slot that Paul Mescal went into for After Sun, and I love Paul Mescal. But putting aside my affection for Paul... I think Tom Cruise did deserve a nomination. I mean, he he's the whole thing, right? I mean, his movie star wattage is what powers that film. It's in a way a, a film about Tom Cruise, comma, movie star, like we can still make him. And I think that there's a real skill involved in that. And if you're going to credit the film and credit the film with saving Hollywood, then you have to give your props to Tom Cruise, no matter how you feel about him. All right, let's listen to a little clip. This is Top Gun Maverick. What do we have here? Here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. 
Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they gonna get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. Managing expectations. If anybody's <laughs> good at that, it's the Tomster. He knows, how to, he knows how to manage expectations. So speaking of expectations, Jed, the Fablemans, also nominated for Best Picture, yeah. Steven Spielberg, you know, the iconic presence in the movie industry. Um, a lot of people thought it was kind of a surprise that this one ended up in the Best Picture category because people don't think it's his Best Picture. Well, I would agree with that. I don't think it's his Best Picture. Uh, you know, he has a huge reserve of uh, of uh, of love to draw on and across the board in Hollywood and all the awards he just got honored at the Producers Guild and just not the picture but him Steven Spielberg and he deserves all of that he's contributed tremendously to the art form I I think this one is a, a bit of an indulgence and. I, uh, not that interesting, actually. It's a, he has a he's a great artist, I think, with not that interesting a life story, and it's beautifully told the way he would do it. Um, and I thought some of it was the the issue of anti-Semitism and how that was dealt with. I thought it was really sort of cartoonish, to be honest with you, which is not a subject to be cartoonish about. And I, you know, I. It, but Max, if I read you correctly, you have a different take on Fablemans. You kind of liked it. It was up on a lot of your lists. Yeah, I didn't just kind of like it. I actually think it's great. I mean, I think that uh, he's mining his childhood. It's, it's his most personal film. It's about him developing as an artist, but also watching the deterioration of his parents' marriage. And I thought it was fascinating from beginning to end. You don't really need to have a super interesting childhood as long as you feel the emotions of what you're seeing. And the fact that Spielberg sort of explained how he came to be. His father was a very technical guy. He was sort of a, a scientist of sorts. His mother was this artist, a very sort of typical mid-century American woman who was filled with longing because she put aside her dreams to be a concert pianist to raise her family. Michelle Williams plays the mother beautifully. But you really see how this wonderful artist was formed. Great performances across the board. And uh, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, for, for me, Spielberg has made so few bad films relative to how many films he's made. He almost can't miss. He's just such a genius. So I'm team Fablemans. I like it a lot. <laughs> so All Quiet on the Western Front is a Netflix thing, Jed. Um, interesting choice. It's also in the Best Picture category. It's not a movie that had wide, you know interest it seems yeah it's a brutal movie because it's about world war one trench warfare i mean literally hundreds of people on both sides dying over a hundred yards of land or inches of land as the cliche goes i think it's beautifully filmed and i and i mean that in the best sense horribly beautiful um but and 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 the, the evocation of what Stanley Kubik tried to do, everybody who has tried to put World War One 
on film or in books is to get across the stupidity of war. And this film does it so well that, I mean, it's almost laughable. If it wasn't so much horror, the it, it's ridiculous what happens with people trying to get to peace. And that people die while they're trying. And I think it's it's a great film. It won the BAFTA. It's not going to win here. It's not going to win Best Picture. But, What's a BAFTA? Oh, it's the British Academy Awards. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they won Best Picture there. Uh, and it deserves it. I mean, it's one people should see. Not easy to look at. And it will win Best International Feature, almost for sure. I would think it would. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's a German film, right? It's, it's in a German, German film. Right. Yeah. 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 It's a shame that it's playing on Netflix because it's the kind of film that you want to see on a big screen. I mean, it's True. really That's a, a sort of submersive experience um, with the music, and you really feel like you're in the trenches with them. So see it on as big a screen as possible. However, because of Netflix and the muscle behind Netflix, that's how it got the kinds of Oscar nominations and attention that it got. So it's a little bit of a paradox. I want to listen to a clip of a movie that I've never seen nor even heard of, (laughs) which is nominated for Best Picture. This is Triangle of Sadness. The Saints. Do you think it's possible to wash them? I think that's possible, ma'am, because this is a motorized vessel. Yeah. So we don't have any sales. A Russian capitalist and an American <laughs> communist. <laughs> On a $250 million luxury yacht. The ship is going under. We have to work together, create a good group, good society. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. Ha! That, ladies and gentlemen, is a trailer that tells you nothing about what this movie is about. I think I heard Woody Harrelson in there. Yes. I mean, is yeah. that right? Okay. Good ear, good ear. That's about all I got. I mean, I don't know. What's this one about? I've never even it's heard a, of it. Which doesn't mean anything because I don't. I have a pathetic life and I never go out. It's kind of an upstairs, downstairs type movie that takes place on this extremely, ridiculously luxurious um, cruise ship, like a yacht, and all the, all the incredibly wealthy, privileged people, and then the people who make themselves crazy trying to serve them and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that there's a shipwreck and there is a reversal of fortune where suddenly the downstairs people seem to have more of the power and it's um, Ruben Ostlin who directed it he also did Force Majeure a film I absolutely loved about the guy who runs and doesn't save his family from the avalanche he's a very talented director his films tend to be a little I would say on the nose in terms of the satire you know it's a little heavy handed um, but it's an entertaining uh, film. I definitely understand why it got Oscar nominated. All right, we got to take a break. But as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to shipwrecks, Gilligan's Island said everything that needed to be said about it. I mean, wait, I, I, I'm not sure why anybody's uh, even bothering. It contained to, multitudes. That's I, right. I, it, conta- it contained everything everywhere. <laughs> All at once. Jen Dietz is the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival. Max Weiss is a pop culture and film critic and the editor-in-chief of Baltimore Magazine. Join us after we come back from a break. 410-662-8780. What was your favorite movie of 2022? What ones do you think should win the Oscar next week? Email is midday at WIPR.org. Our Twitter handle at midday WIPR. And as we go to break, a nod to the great jazz saxophonist and composer Wayne Shorter. His collaborations with Art Blakey and Miles Davis are the stuff of legend. He was the founder of the jazz fusion group Weather Report, and his musical inquisitiveness led him to work with pop icons like Carlos Santana and Joni Mitchell. 
Wayne Short died yesterday at the age of 89. This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR. I'm Al Waller. I'm Katherine Collinson. And I'm Mihaela Vince. In upcoming episodes of Clear Path, Your Roadmap for Life, we'll discuss ways to catch up on retirement savings and the importance of self-care. Tune in to WYPR's website and mobile app, all major podcast platforms, and transamericainstitute.org. Welcome back. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up Monday on Midday, it's the Midday Health Watch with Dr. Lena Wen. We'll talk about the determination by the U.S. Department of Energy about where the COVID-19 virus started. Their conclusion contradicts the conclusion of other intelligence agencies. So what does this assessment mean for our ability to prevent the spread of the next deadly pathogen? So Dr. Lena Wen joins me Monday on Midday. And if you just joined us today, it's Midday at the Movies, the Oscar edition. We're making our Oscar prognostications with Max Weiss, the editor-in-chief of Baltimore Magazine, and Jed Dietz, the founding director of the Maryland Film Festival. Check in. Let us know what you thought the best movies of the year were. 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. So, Jed, um, Max mentioned as an actor uh, who's up for Best Actor, uh, Paul Mescal from a movie called After Sun. It's uh, streaming on some services. I think it's on Prime, Amazon Prime. Um, maybe not the favorite in this category. He's up against Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, and Bill Nye. But Paul Mescal, uh, a lot of buzz for this movie. Yeah, and his performance is extraordinary in it, as is the young girl, Frankie Corio, who's in it. Uh, all of these are first-time nominees in this category, which is the first time since 1935, I think, that's happened. Um, but they're all good actors. I mean, this was a, After Sun was a film that came out of the Sundance Labs, first-time filmmaker Charlotte Wells, who also just got an award from the Directors Guild for first feature. And won BAFTA, the British Academy Award, for so the first is, time. So this feature. has really been quite the year for rookies, hasn't it? It, it is. I, I mean, it, not that these actors are rookies; they've all been in other movies, but but, but, but they're rookie know. nominees. Yeah, 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 that's something. Yeah, and I think that makes it great. He's sensational in this. It's a wonder. It'll be a great boost for the movie already, and you know, we're it's a it's a great nomination. I don't think I agree with Max. I don't think it's going to win. Mm-hmm. So Max, who do you think is going to win? Um, it's definitely a two-man race, I would say, between Austin Butler and Elvis and Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Um, I can make a case for Austin Butler. The Oscars love 
when you do an impression of somebody, you know, they gave Renee Z- yeah. Renee Zellweger for Judy Garland. Meryl Streep. You know, and they had Freddie Mercury, you know, Rami Malek played him. They just love when you do an impression of somebody. And and Austin Butler is excellent. And but, if he wins, will he go, thank you, thank well, you, thank you very much. He can't stop talking <laughs> like Elvis. He, he went so deep method, this is true, that he still talks like Elvis. So this is a commitment to, to a role. But... Um, the reason I think Brendan Fraser is going to win is because I do feel that he's the sentimental favorite. He was sort of a huge star in the, the 90s and the early aughts, and then he disappeared for a long time. He had some troubles, and he came back with this performance. And, you know, I didn't love the film. I found it exploitative, um, kind of misery porn, if you will. But he's great in it, and... I just feel like they may not give it to the whippersnapper. I mean, Austin Butler is a young, kind of unproven talent, so maybe he'll get it. Um, he certainly is a rising star, Austin Butler. I mean, he just, yeah, the course. guy looks like a movie star. He handles himself like a movie star. But my hunch is that Brendan Fraser is going to win. And by the way, my choice that I would want to win is uh, Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin, but I don't think he's going to win. So All right, we have, we have a clip of the Banshees of Inisherin. Let's Let's uh, take a listen to that. That is also nominated for Best Picture. Now, I'm sitting here next to you, and if you're going back inside, I'm following you inside, and if you're going home, I'm following you there too. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I've said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was, and I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. With all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just... Stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. You do like me. I don't. You liked me yesterday. Oh, did I, yeah. I thought you did. <laughs> well, there are actors who are really good at saying, I love you. And there are other actors who are really good. I just don't like you anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, you got to show your range, you know. So I don't know. What do you think? I mean, both about the performance of Mr. Farrell and the chances of uh, the Banshees taking home the Oscar for Best Picture. Well, I think it's a terrific project. Martin McDonough, the writer-director, has spent his career uh helping people who are not Irish understand the troubles and this crazy, violent split that there has been in that country. And this is not about that specifically. As a matter of fact, it's referenced a couple times on a distant island. You see the troubles sort of starting. This is really way before the troubles. But the seed of it is there because he he shows you sort of how people can get antagonistic over nothing and that it's never explained why this is going on and you see as the movie gets crazier and crazier violence occurs and it comes out of nowhere and you think why is this happening and i think that's exactly what he's writing about that that's in us and it's dangerous particularly men 
if you, I can say, oh, totally. and their inability to express their emotions, and that's how you end up at this kind of situation. And just hearing that clip, I mean, it is funny because the, the, the film is a very black, absurdist comedy in the Samuel Beckett vein. Hmm. But just hearing that clip of, you know, Colin Farrell being so confused, <laughs> it just breaks my heart, you know, and I think he is extremely overdue, an amazing actor, kind of that tip, it's a cliche, but the leading man looks, but he's a character actor you know and uh, but he's not going to win but th- i want him to win right, well yeah. as a man i have deep-seated feelings about this but i <laughs> i can't express them <laughs> Sorry, I just, i've got to let it simmer inside yes tear exactly me, tear me so typical from within um i want to talk about actresses in a supporting role and you guys are well connected you've got a lot of uh, friends in high places can you make sure that angela bassett wins she was in black panther wakanda forever and i thought she was terrific I mean, I didn't think the movie was all that terrific. I thought the first Black Panther was better than the second one. But I thought Miss Bassett was terrific. Now, she's up against uh, Hong Chow in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, who did a great job in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Stephanie Sue, who's also in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Two castmates uh, in the same movie, in the same category. Um Who's who's the leading contender, uh, and does does my favorite uh, Miss Bassett have any chance? Yes, I think she has some chance. My my choice uh, would be Carrie Condon from the Ben. She's of Inna Sheeran. That's she, who you want to win, or who you think is going to? win? No, no. That's I think Angela Bassett might win actually. But, yeah, same. but but that's who I'd like to see win because I think Carrie Condon. To pick up on Max's point just a minute ago, she's the one reasonable character in the whole movie, and she has to leave because she's the sister of of the Colin Farrell character, and she she understands the trap and she gets out, and it's a poignant moment and she's she's fantastic in it i thought it's a it's a it's a strong role and she plays it beautifully but i think angela bassett really has a shot Tom. i thought this young woman stephanie sue uh in everything everywhere all at once was terrific i'd never seen her work before um but you know the 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 quick changes that these characters had to do uh i mean not only costume changes but you know mood and emotional changes max i mean in that whole movie uh including uh you know uh, miss curtis who's often the victim and in this one she is at least she begins uh not in a victim role. i think one of the reasons why we're seeing all of these oscar nominations for the actors in this film is because they all get to embody so many characters in this multiverse and they really get to show off their range so the entire film is sort of like an acting you know audition reel essentially and um i do think that uh there's a chance that the two nominees from everything everywhere all at once are going to cancel each other out um so I'm going to I'll make some phone calls, see what I can do. But I do think that Angela Bassett <laughs> is going to win that category. That's good to yeah. hear. You Jamie Lee Curtis day. won the SAG Best Actress, right. which is, again, uh, the Screen Actors Guild. So it's the biggest block of voters in the Academy. But I agree with Max. I think you, when you have two nominees from the same movie, that's not never a good sign. Jamie Lee is definitely the sentimental favorite again. So along the same lines. I mean, this category to me feels pretty open. Um, but but I'm, on my ballot, I'm gonna gonna pick Angela Bassett. Let's listen to a clip from a movie that got all sorts of uh, buzz: Women Talking. I want to stay and fight, but won't we lose the fight to the men and be forced to forgive them anyway? I want to stay and fight too. No one's surprised that you do. All you do is fight. 
Is this really how we are to decide the fates of all the women in this colony? Just another vote where we put an X next to our position? I thought we were here to do more than that. You mean talk more about forgiving the men and doing nothing? Everything else is insane. But none of you will listen to reason. Well, why are you here with us? Why are you still here with us if that is what you believe? Just leave with the rest of the do-nothing women. She is my daughter, and I want her here with us. Is forgiveness that's forced upon us true forgiveness? Keep nonsense like that to yourself, please. See, that seems to me to be a credibly, a, an incredibly credible trailer. Because the movie is called Women Talking, and the trailer is a bunch of women talking. I mean, so you get what you, you know, it's, it's the truth and advertising part of it's it. It's the cocaine bear <laughs> of, uh, of Oscar. Of talking. <laughs> yeah. So I mention it because it's the last one on the list for Best Picture. I mean, Jed, the, this was, you know, considered by many to be a really, really fine movie. Well, it comes from a wonderful filmmaker, an actress herself, Sarah Polly, who made um, uh, true, true story. No, storytelling. Oh, and and then and before that, uh, from far far away. Uh, I'm getting with that Julie name messed up yeah. with Julie Christie. It was amazing. also great, but she's a terrific director. This is a difficult story. It's about a Mennonite community in Bolivia, based on a true story, which we know very little about, but it happened, and. These women had been attacked for a long time. I won't go into the details, but the, this whole movie is women talking. It's about women in in this community trying to hold on to their faith, try to be loyal to their families, and pr- do the protective role that they feel very strongly about, and yet stand up to these guys. And it's I found it. I thought it worked. I think it's well written. I thought it was beautifully acted. There are a lot of great actresses in it. And I thought it worked. It's probably not for everybody. It's, it, what's interesting about the film is that when you first start watching it, you don't realize that it's contemporary times. And then suddenly a car drives into the frame and you're like, oh, because this Mennonite community is so cut off from the rest of civilization that That's they almost point. seem like they're living in a different century. Um, I like the film. It didn't quite make my best of the year because it is almost like a filmed play. It's wonderfully filmed. It's kind of my dinner with Andre, you know. Right, of the Mennonite world, yes. Yeah, of the um, Mennonite world, right. <laughs> if you've ever thought <laughs> and, to yourself. And I, I well, personally had a, a hankering for one of those movies. <laughs> you know. it's, it's good. It's definitely worth watching. I really think it would make a great play. And it's also a huge showcase for all these different actresses. I'm surprised that none of them got nominations. But True. again, I think that is a case where they canceled each other out a little bit. Christopher is a guy after my own heart. I'm holding out hope the Academy finally recognizes Angela Bassett. She really held together Wakanda Forever, which I found to be another sly piece of social commentary from director Ryan Coogler. Bassett's the kind of actress that's not on the Academy's radar despite a great body of work. So we got another vote for Miss Bassett. So to recap here... Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the favorite for Best Picture, you think? Yes. Yes. If there's going to be a sleeper who will uh, sneak in behind it and and for the upset, Jed, what do you think? Well, I agree that I think Everything Everywhere will win. What would I pick as a sleeper? There's your problem right there. Tar, do you think? Tar, maybe. Avatar, if you want to talk about saving the movie business, Avatar, which is a big commercial hit, 
second only so far to Top Gun. I think it will. And that is on the list. I think Fablemans is the number two. He's just biased against Fablemans and he Mm -hmm. can't see the reality. But uh, No, no, that's not a bad uh, guess because Spielberg is adored. Right, because Spielberg is adored. And also, if there's one thing that uh, Oscar loves, it's movies celebrating the magic movies. of movies. They <laughs> right. just That's love true. a movie about That's a movie. A little, there's more than a little navel-gazing. Yes, they, they do. Yeah. They, they just cinema paradiso all over the place. So uh, so that is, uh, I would say, the second one that has a chance to win after everything. Except even better because it's Spielberg. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that would be my number two pick. Well, I've called Harry Winston. I've got my jewels uh, you know, ready to, ready to rent. I'm ready to go, and I'm looking forward to it. Max Weiss from Baltimore Magazine. Thank you so much. Always good to see you. Same. And Jed Dietz of the Maryland Film Festival. Have a nice time watching the Oscars. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting us. And coming up, theater critic Jay Wynn Russick will join me. She's got a review with a new production at the Fells Point Quarter Theater in Baltimore. We're going to talk about Dead Man's Cell Phone by the great playwright Sarah Rule. On the other side of a quick break, it's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WYPR.